think that story is just so neat and that you and I have the opportunity by God's grace to um, to be able to, to partner and, and God uses us and uses our resources to, to share his gospel all around the world, which is just amazing to me. Um, well, good morning, church. Merry Christmas. And so if you have your copy of God's word, turn with me to the book of Philippians. We're going to be considering Philippians 4 as we finish up this series known as His Name Shall Be. And we've considered over the past four weeks the different names that were given to and prophesied about Jesus when, he, when the prophet Isaiah foretold of Jesus' coming many, many hundreds of years prior to Jesus actually coming on the scene. And, and we've read it each and every time. And so I want to read it again this morning. This comes from Isaiah 9, chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So this morning, we're going to consider the idea that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of the holiday season from essentially Thanksgiving until probably December 26th, how many of you would describe the holidays as peaceful for you? Anthony? Congratulations, buddy. You've got the secret that no one else has in this room. Maybe Nolan, you, Nolan, you like it. It's peaceful for you, buddy, isn't it? That's good. It's very, it's, it's nice, isn't it? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's exhausting is what it is. You've got 1,300 Christmas parties to attend. You've got your work party. You've got a church party. You've got a Sunday school party. You've got Christmas Eve service. You've got Christmas caroling. You've got, you got Wednesday brunch. You've got all of these things that you've got to go to. You've got three different families to, to attend. You've got to get gifts for this person. You've got to get gifts for this person. And it's, uh, it's just kind of insanity, you got to travel, and is it going to snow? Is it not going to snow? I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't, I don't know. Is Santa going to come this year? All of these things, all of these things, kind of hit us in the midst of Thanksgiving and Christmas, and and it can be, if you're like me, it can be quite exhausting. I found myself this week just honestly longing to take a deep breath. I said, like, "Whew, okay, we're almost there." All right. And in the midst of this, I, no one describes it as, as peaceful. And because it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to find it. Life is crazy. And that doesn't even begin to consider the fact that in the midst of all of these relationships and the hustle and bustling is that there can be conflict and there can be strife. That if you're married, if you're a married couple, then it can be difficult to split families. Everybody's expectations aren't quite met yet. And it's just like, oh my goodness. Like it can be exhausting. There's, there's strife and difficulty. It's, it's endemic to who we are, isn't it? Conflict is, is everywhere. It's in, it's in our churches, it's in our workplaces, it's in our families and our friendships. Everywhere that we and people exist, there is conflict. And so how do we follow, as, as followers of the Prince of Peace, 
how do we begin to experience this peace that, that Jesus says that he will give to us? After all, we follow this Prince of Peace. He says that, that, that we're called to be peacemakers and that we carry the very gospel of peace. So everything surrounding the Christian life is, is connected to this idea of peace, but we don't talk a ton about it, and certainly we don't often experience it. I remember the first fight that Lauren and I got into. She doesn't really consider it a fight, and, and it really wasn't at the time, but it can be even silly things. That There was one night after, after we had just recently gotten married, and and I'd never had to share room with anybody, and, and she was getting up every single night to go use the bathroom. And about a couple of weeks in, I, like, I roll over when she gets out of bed because the, the floors were creaky, and it was just awful. And so I roll over, and she comes back, and I'm like, are you going to do this for the rest of our lives? <laughs> Which is a terrible thing to say at 3 in the morning to your new bride. Are you going to do this for the rest of our Oh, can I get some, some peace and quiet? Can I not get some sleep? All right, so how do we experience peace in our lives? How do we experience peace in the, during the holidays as followers of Jesus? Well, the first thing that we need to understand is that the very idea of peace is rooted in the Old Testament. It's, it's rooted in uh, Judaism. And this idea of peace is known as shalom. You'll see that if you ever are greeted by, by someone that is a Jew, that shalom means peace, but it doesn't mean the absence of, of strife necessarily the absence of anxiety or anything like that. Peace in the Old Testament sense means wholeness or completeness, that, that no parts are, are missing, that there's a harmony or a prosperity to our lives. But yet in the New Testament, we see Paul writing to a church very much like our own, to two people that didn't get along. And in the midst of all of this, I think he gives us a great set of directions of how we experience this peace as Christ followers. So look with me at Philippians chapter four, and we're gonna just read right now verses two and three, and we're gonna look at the other parts in just a moment. When you get there, say a word. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. You know what that means? They were fighting. They were at odds with one another. They were butting heads. Yes, that happens even in the church. Paul says, yes, I ask you also, true companion or elder in this church, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. It's in this context that Paul will then in verse four begin with this kind of essentially diatribe on peace by beginning rejoice. But it's first set within this idea that there's two women, Euodia and Syntyche, that are butting heads. They're not getting along at this point, but they, that it's not as if these are just you know, randos in the church. These are people that are known for eternity as people that didn't get along, right? That's not a great thing to be known for in scripture, but these are the ones that, that Paul's saying, listen, 
must agree in the Lord because we are following Jesus. So here's what, out of this message, looking at Jesus as our prince and author of peace, here's what I want for us to take away. That we experience the peace of Jesus when we live in the presence and walk in the way of Jesus. We experience the peace of Jesus when we live in the presence of Jesus and when we walk in the way of Jesus. So we know even in the midst of our lives that we often don't experience this. But here's the the first truth that, that Jesus tells us. In fact, it's the very first thing, this idea of peace is the very first thing that Jesus tells to his disciples after the resurrection. He says, peace to you or peace be with you. He's very interested in the idea that that we experience this peace that he offers to us. So how do we access it? The first truth that I want us to see that kind of hits on this first part is we experience Jesus's peace when we come to know and walk with him as Lord. We come to know the peace of Jesus. We, at the very first, at the matter of fact point, we can begin to experience the peace of Jesus when we come to know him as Lord and then in our lives when we choose to walk with him. There are times as we're gonna look at in Philippians four that we don't experience the peace of our lives because of unrighteousness and, and things that we've chosen to put in our lives. But it's very base level, we begin to experience this peace when we know Jesus and when we're walking with him. Look at John 14, 27. This is a key verse. It's one we hit on a few weeks ago as we looked at the book of John. But these are Jesus's parting words and the night before his death. He tells his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled neither let them be afraid. Now, you can imagine that these were going to be anxious moments for the disciples because Jesus was telling them about what was to come, that he was going to be betrayed, that he was going to die a martyr's death, the wrongful death, and that they were going to scatter, that lots of things were about to change in their lives. So any type of change like that in our lives immediately raises anxiety within us, right? Any of those circumstances, if you have a change of job, if, if you have a, a loved one that's ill, uh, any of these things, a child moving away or transitioning into a different stage of life, the, the things that begin to happen within us as we kind of enter into these fight or flight modes. And, and, but Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Beloved, my peace I give to you. My peace, my peace. This means that Jesus is the source and the giver of peace. Jesus is the one that allows us, that gives us this peace. But then he says, not as the world gives do I give to you. What does that mean? How does the world give peace, offer peace to us? 
one of the things I think the world offers to us in trying to show us how to, how to experience this peace is by calling us and helping us to drown our sorrows, right? That we begin to, by whatever substance or whatever thing that we choose, that I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling anxious, I'm not feeling peace in my life, things are crazy, and I want this wholeness, this completeness in my heart and life. And so in order to do that, I'm going to step back and I'm just going to veg out and watch Netflix for like four hours. I'm going to drown my anxiety in Netflix. Or I'm going to drown my uh, sorrows in alcohol or substance. I, we have all kinds of different ways, but the world offers peace First, by saying you can drown this stuff away and act like it's not there. That's another way is denial. Just act like it, the world offers peace by denying that there is a problem. That if you run headlong away from this issue long enough, then maybe you'll be able to outrun it. But the truth is that too many things in our life happens and we're eventually confronted with this. So we need a better way. How about despair? I think the world teaches in some instances that just, just give up. It's, it's hopeless, right? People find some manner of comfort of just giving in. I'm like, I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm just, uh, I'm done. And then even the, there's another group of people that say in our world that, that just, just, just take, take the bull by the horns and dominate this thing. Just push through it. Yeah, just, just man up with gold bond. Man up, let's go. Like, let's do this. That's, that's what the world teaches us. And that's what Jesus says. He says the world offers a certain peace, but it's not the peace that I'm going to give you. My peace that I give to you is not as the world gives. And so because of this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. How does Jesus give his peace? Remember the world says you can try to dominate it, you can despair, you can drown it, or you can deny it. But Jesus gives us peace through his presence and through his sacrifice. Through his presence and through his sacrifice. He's saying that my peace I'm going to give to you and I'm going to offer it up in the person of the Holy Spirit, that I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to offer myself as the sacrifice so that you and, you and I can be made right with God because ultimately there is no peace if we are at war with God. This is what Romans 5.1 says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the reason the world tries to fabricate peace, they're searching for the same things we are, but in different ways. And the problem is that they will never, we will never be able to experience true shalom or peace because we are deeply broken. We're not whole, right? 
And the world fabricates this peace around different things, but it, it doesn't admit the fact that until I get a relationship right with God through Jesus Christ, I will have no manner of peace in our life. That's why we must know him as Lord to begin to experience the peace that Jesus offers us. But then as we walk with him in his presence, we begin to experience this. Because of Jesus' redemptive work, we can experience this peace. Now let's jump back into Philippians 4, where we've got the two warring ladies, right? So how do we in our lives, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of a crazy season, how do we walk with Jesus, right? And that's what I think Philippians 4 tells us, is how we actually walk in the presence of Jesus. Look with me again at verse 4 in Philippians 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord. This is, again, only accessible to those that are in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, will guard, circle that. It will, the peace, this peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So we begin and have access to peace because we know Jesus as Lord. But we begin to walk with Jesus. First off, we see in verses four and five that we walk with Jesus and experience Jesus's peace when we have an attitude of joy. We experience Jesus's peace when we have an attitude of joy. He says, rejoice, not once, but twice. This is a command, rejoice. This is a posture of our heart that we will live with thanksgiving. So what does it mean to rejoice? And in some instances, it means sing. In other instances, it just means to be grateful, to be thankful, to, to praise and, and thank God, to, to consider the blessings that are in your life. So he said, okay, I call you, Euodia and Syntyche, to agree in the Lord. And how do you begin to do that? You begin by having an attitude of, of joy. You recognize that God is in this situation. You recognize that God is amongst you. And so because of that, you begin with an attitude of joy. Paul is calling you, he's calling us in a season of whirlwind craziness to an attitude of contentment. We believe that our good and sovereign God has given us and allowed into our lives everything that is good for us 
and that has withheld nothing that would be good for us and that has allowed nothing that would be evil to us, that would bring us damage. And so because of that, our joy is not circumstantial. Why? Because it's in the Lord. We must walk with Jesus, and when we walk with Jesus, we, we learn to rejoice with the God who is sovereign, I mean, he is over all things, that he is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful, that he is the almighty God. We find comfort in his omniscience, that he is all-knowing, that he is never changing, that the God that we know and read in the scriptures isn't suddenly going to change his mind about us. And that he's living and active. Joy is not something that is changeable. But he doesn't end there because just a, an attitude of joy doesn't, you know, it, it's helpful. But verse 5 is just as important. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Meaning that not only is the Lord with us in creating a spirit of of posture of joy, but there's an accountability that, hey, Euodia and Syntyche, you may just think that you're not experiencing peace and you're ramming and, and going at one another and it's just between the two of you. And Paul says, no, 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 no. The Lord is at hand. He's seeing all of this. And so because of that, let your reasonableness Another word that can mean gentleness. Let your gentleness, your reasonableness be made known here. What is reasonableness? It's seeking the best for everyone, not just yourself. How many of you would say that you're prone to sensationalism and unreasonableness? I am. In the heat of the moment, what am I going to bring up? I'm going to bring up the most, the craziest thing. In the midst of all of this, what we end up believing about one another that, we're that we are in strife with is the worst, right? And he says, no. With the family members that are just bonkers, be reasonable, right? They're not the caricature that is just the worst of the worst, he says, be gentle, be reasonable about this as you have an attitude of joy because the Lord is at hand. He's with you in this. So we experience peace when we're reasonable and have an attitude of joy. But then we see in verse 6 and 7 that we experience peace when we have a posture of prayer. Look with me again. Do not, this is a, a, a now, prohibition, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, meaning we can't explain the peace that will dwell and fill our hearts, the wholeness that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We, you will experience the peace of Christ in your life by walking with him in a posture of, of prayer, an attitude of joy 
an attitude of reasonableness, and and a posture of prayer. So he says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, as someone who suffers with clinical anxiety at times, that's not just something that I can be like, well, I'm going to turn that off. So that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's not talking about like the kind of the, the more serious clinical anxiety, but the more general worries about life that allows us, that makes us prone to despair it's like this situation's never going to change. Those types of worries and anxieties. C.S. Lewis says despair is a greater sin than any of the sins which provoke it. And that's because you're saying through despair that this is something that God is not in, has no control of, and cannot change. That's what despair is saying. And so anxiety occurs when we anticipate a future threat. Whether our body anticipates a future threat, our mind anticipates it. So that can be any number of things. A way somebody is going to react to you telling them that you're not going to be at this year's Christmas party. Or that you're going to handle, you're, you know, you're going to choose to choose a different major. I remember how anxiety ridden that was for, for Lauren when she was like, hey, she told her parents, hey, I'm not going to do nursing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a teacher. <laughs> I remember that. And, and I remember like having to tell my mom, hey, remember those, the four years about doing communications and wanting to do a sports journalism? I think God's got a different plan. <laughs> Anytime that there's changes in our lives, whether it be a job, family situation, there's anxiety. And our natural tendency is to become anxious and then try to clamp down and control it. Right? We either throw our hands up, this isn't worth it, I'm, I'm going to act like it's not there, or I'm going to clamp down and I'm going to control this. And so we manipulate and we do anything and everything to get our way. But Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount tells us this, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on is life not more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, he says. Look at the lilies of the field. That's why C.S. Lewis says that despair is greater than any of the sins that lead to it. Because in that moment, we're believing something about God that's untrue. We're saying that he's incapable, that he's not there. But we as Christians, beloved, whatever situation you're going in and, and, and going through right now, whatever craziness your life is going through, you can trust that there's a sovereign good God who loves you, who's for you, who's working all things together for the good in charge of that. And... Peter tells us that whatever our cares are, we can cast those anxieties upon him because he loves us. Because he loves us. We can cast ourselves in a posture of prayer because Jesus loves us, because he's near to us. The Lord is at hand, even in every situation, even in the midst of a crazy season. And finally, in verses 8 and 9, Peter, or Paul says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, 
If there's any excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, again, think about it in terms of who these two people were fighting one another. Again, we typically caricaturize people and say they are the, they are the worst. They're this, 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 and this, right? And he says, let your reasonableness be known. And one of the ways that happens that we will begin to experience peace in our lives and in our relationships is when we believe and think about and fill our minds with the good stuff, with what is true and honorable, what is just, what is pure. So we experience, beloved, the peace of Jesus when we practice holiness. We, be, we experience peace when we practice holiness. That's the final truth that Paul has for us. And part of practicing holiness is filling our minds and choosing to think about and chew on what is true, what is good, what is honorable. Think about who God is in the midst of your busy season. Think about the blessings that come with all the lights and dazzle and glamour of the Christmas season. The blessings. We begin by practicing righteousness ourselves. Isaiah 32 says this, and the effect of righteousness will be peace and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. At its very core, Philippians 4.8 says, fill your minds with the good stuff. So here's the thing, if you're prone to fear and anxiety, I would just, I would just guess that it would be so good for you to turn off Fox News and turn off CNN. It's fear monger. That's what it is. It's, it's causing an illicit anxiety ridden reaction about the world around us. It's designed to keep you coming back for more. The same is actually true with social media. It's addictive. Fill your minds instead with the good stuff. Choose not to watch certain things on social media. Practice holiness so that you can truly experience the peace of God. Things that inspire us to worship and to service of others, to believe what is true and best about other people. So while unrighteousness sustains division, righteousness begins to put things back together. And all of this is brought about by the arrival and ministry of Jesus, knowing that the Lord is at hand. So what are the concerns in your life right now? Are there things that you need to pray about and be honest? Like, God, I, I'm not experiencing your peace right now. And, and there's some parts in my life that, that I told him that last night. It's like, God, there are certain that I'm not content. Like, I, I just, I feel like I need some rest in ways that I'm currently not getting. So help me. Maybe you're there. Maybe it's that there's, there's family issues or work issues or money issues, whatever it is, what Paul says, don't choose not to be first anxious, but choose to take all of that, that energy, which you're expending to be anxious and choose that energy to take it before God and be honest with him, be vulnerable. God's not scared of your true raw emotions. In fact, he created them. So be honest 
What are the things that are occupying and filling your mind right now during this season? Is it things that cause further anxiety and stress or is it things that bring about peace, what is true and honorable? What could you replace those things with? Maybe you're here and you don't experience peace because you don't know Jesus. And, and I invite you, that's, that's something he invites us to, is experience his peace personally, that the God of the universe loves us and has come for us to bring us peace. You and I follow the Prince of Peace and can experience his peace. So I invite you in whatever way necessary, I invite you to respond in how God is calling you, whether that be to come and just pray or just pray quietly at your seats. Maybe you've butted heads like Yodi and Syntyche and you need to do some dealing with God and then with that person. Maybe you've been unreasonable with some expectations or with pressures that you've put on people or anything like that. Whatever God's telling you to do, you need to do it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this Christmas season that reminds us that you are the Prince of Peace and you've called us to be peacemakers. We carry with us the gospel of peace. And so God, it's, it's a shame in my own life that so often I'm riddled with, with worry and doubt and anxiety and fear of what's coming. And so, Lord, we confess that. We confess the areas that we try to take control in. When we try to make it about us. Lord, we confess where we're being unreasonable with people that we know and care for in our workplace or in our home and in our families. God, help us to, to repent and to apologize and to let our reasonableness be known. God, for the people that are in here that are are seeking for comfort and peace. I pray, God, that they would know and believe that you are there with them and that they can be honest and vulnerable with you and that you will not exploit their vulnerability as our world often does, but, God, that you will, you will put things back together. You will bring wholeness. You desire to bring shalom into our lives. May we allow that as we walk with you and walk in your way. In Jesus' name I pray.